Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 367. And tonight, we're recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We are going to start with 247, which is available right now for free with the Webtoons app. And then we're going to move straight into 248, which is only available if you're fast-passing it, which we are, which I definitely would have after the way 247 ended. There was no way I was not going to fast-pass the next one. No, and I had to get myself some more coins for fast-passing because I ran out and then I forgot my password. And it's just like in a nightmare where you can't make the phone work. And oh my God, I've got to find out what happens next. Oh God. Okay. So we're going to start with 247. Obviously, spoiler warnings all over the place. I don't know if we always remember to say that, but yes, we're going to spoil all the things. So we start in the therapy session that Demeter and Persephone are going to be having with Chiron, uh, except Persephone isn't there. She's been delayed. And it's just Chiron and Demeter staring at each other. And Demeter is so uncomfortable. And Chiron is just smiling. She's perfectly comfortable with, you know, sitting with her client. And Demeter starts up by saying, I suppose you think I'm terrible. And I'm thinking, is she started to sense what people think of her with the yeah. way she behaved to Persephone? Or is she grenade fishing for compliments? Oh, why not both? You know, why I'm not sure both? It's a bit, True. Yeah. So Chiron says that it's not her place to judge anybody. And that's the moment when Persephone comes in. Apologize for being late. Did you get the slightest idea that maybe Persephone did that on purpose as a power move? It's like, you're going to wait on me. It could be because she never gets defensive through this entire session. But, you know, when she comes in, Demeter looks up at her and says, oh, did you have a baby without telling me to? (laughs) Just so glad that Persephone does not take the freaking bait on that one. She just very cheerfully says, oh, no, this is Zeus's and I'm looking after him. Thank you so much for letting me bring him along. He basically doesn't do anything except sleep. And that's all the explanation you get. And I kind of also love the fact that Demeter didn't do any follow-up about, you know, what, Zeus has another baby? Of course he has another baby. Yeah. Also, Demeter has certainly cared for enough of Zeus's cast off in the past. So, I mean, if anything, she might be like, eh, like mother, like daughter. True, true. Mm -hmm. All right. So what was it exactly that Persephone said when Chiron started out by asking, what do they each want to get out of this session? So... I I liked Persephone's response on the one hand, but it may have been a little too wordy. She says she wants tools to navigate our relationship so we can coexist in a non-volatile way, which sounds really good, but it's also a little, just a tiny bit of word salad. Like it all makes perfect sense, but I don't know. She definitely rehearsed that. You could tell. And Demeter just comes right out and says, I want to know why you didn't invite me to your wedding. And Persephone says, you put Hades in a jar. And she's like, he's fine, clearly. And Chiron says, wait, wait, wait. No finger pointing here. You can do that at home for free. (laughs) Everybody on the commenters love that because, you know, a therapist is getting paid by the hour. She could just sit there and let them fight and not have to do any work. But no, she has actual goals that she wants to get to with this session. Yes. Also, I love how one of the commenters, you know, she's like, I want to know why I wasn't invited to my daughter's wedding. And the commenter said, the wedding that you did your best to prevent. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So... When Chiron asks Demeter, why does she have a problem with Persephone and Hades' relationship? Demeter's just like, ah, where to start? And honestly, a lot of what she says revolves around the idea, she says that he's a man whose kingdom thrives on loss. If he loved her, he wouldn't support her move. And she also says leaving the mortal realm is an act of selfishness. Yeah, we come to this over and over again, responsibility. Demeter has responsibility. She thinks 
Persephone abandoned her responsibilities. And Persephone says, that makes me feel bad because you don't even know what I'm doing or what my life is like in the underworld. Because one of the things that Demeter had said before Persephone said, that makes me feel like you don't even know what my life is like. And she says it's selfish because she's living a life of pampered administration that monetizes grief and ghosts. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, God, that's a shitty thing to say. It is. And that's another thing that she comes back to a lot. It's either that Persephone is abandoning her responsibilities or she's living this life of comfort and getting her nails done or she's living in an environment that monetizes grief. Those three things are really very heavy on Demeter's mind. Yeah. And it does really feel like Demeter thinks that if you're happy and not stressed, then you're not doing it right. And unfortunately... We all know people like that, that this idea yeah. that if you take time for yourself, you're being selfish. And that's, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got all sorts of notes here. Fuck you very much for that, Demeter. Fuck you, Demeter. Yeah. And then Chiron's kind of like sitting there looking at her, sort of like, I don't know, kind of puzzled. But then she just says, tell me about your relationship with your mother. <laughs> and Demeter tries to deflect so fast. She's like, I don't see why that's relevant. Chiron says, I don't see how that's not relevant. Yeah, my notes are... Funk, right on target. Oh, man. Demeter tries to say that her relationship with her mother was perfect. Chiron digs a little deeper. And then we actually get the story of Demeter and her mother and the thing that her mother said to her. Her mother said, see that man over there. And she points out um, Kronos, who's, you know, obviously crazy and strolling across the horizon. I created you to help me defeat that man. So she was told by her mother that that was her purpose, not because her mother wanted a daughter or anything like that. Just she needed a weapon to help defeat Kronos. And that's got to be kind of scarring. Yeah. And Demeter at one point says something like, you know, I was a good daughter. I helped my mother. Now we see this image of her carrying someone in the rain. It looks like Hera. Yeah, I think so. Rescuing Hera. Yeah. During the whole, the battle of the gods. Yeah. Um, Demeter's really uncomfortable about this. And at one point, she even tries to derail it by saying, I don't see the point of this. You've already decided you don't need me in your life. And my notes here are deflect and escalate. And Persephone says, of course, I want you in my life, mama. But the way you treated me at the intervention was horrible. Yes, in fact, it was. Thank God she came out. I mean, so many people have said it. I don't know how many more times she's got to hear it to know that it was really, really horrible. But as we'll see a little bit later, I I think this one may have finally gotten through. I think so. I think all of them were kind of getting through. That's why she's been so uncomfortable ever since her discussion with Hestia, that she's realizing she actually did damage to her relationship with her daughter by doing that. And Persephone points out, you've never spoken to me like that before. Clearly, something else is going on that would make you lash out like that. And we get this very brief image of Demeter Hang on a second. That might have actually, now that I think about it, that might have been later. So scratch that. Okay. But yeah, Demeter definitely looks really uncomfortable when she says clearly something else is going on. And then we immediately switch over to an image of a phone and it's Artemis saying, meet me at the library. And we go to Apollo, finally. And yes, he does have a bruise under his eye and he's sitting by himself and he looks over and he sees a couple of nymphs having a conversation about where to go to dinner. And then they notice him and he's kind of smiling a little bit like his, you know, his, his charming Apollo smile. And one of them pushes the other one away. We should probably go. And then you see over their shoulder, one of them whispering to the other one, did you hear what he did to Daphne? And I am so relieved that yes, people know what Apollo did to Daphne. Oh, thank God. 
God, it's taken a really long time, but I needed that kind of confirmation that it wasn't like some secret, which I can't imagine why it would be. But the fact that nobody's talked about it at all. No, oh my God. No, no. So Artemis shows up and Apollo is genuinely happy to see her. And he says, it's been so long. I can't wait to show you all of the projects I've been working on. And, you know, she's she's hugging him, but you see her eyes open kind of, ugh. and then she steps away and she says, I... I have to ask you this before I lose my nerve, and I need you to be completely honest with me. And then we see a very brief flashback of Artemis appearing in the mortal realm after she had asked Zeus to be sent to be with um, Persephone. And Persephone runs up, and Artemis runs to her, and there's no dialogue, but they're both crying. And Artemis touches Persephone's face, and Persephone looks at her, and then she closes her eyes. And the first thing that the commenters pointed out is that it was Artemis, her new power as the protector of young maidens, being able to see what happened to Persephone to make her not technically be a maiden anymore. And that's... Oh, man. Oh, boy. And then we see Artemis's, uh the word bubble, I need you to be completely honest with me. And then we go to the next episode. Oh, my God. And there was no way I was stopping there. No! Like, holy crap. Even if I hadn't been fast-passing at that point, I'm like, oh, my God. So, obviously, we're jumping into episode 248. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. It starts with Apollo justifying his stupid self to himself. This is nothing that he's actually saying out loud. Artemis is talking to him, but her word bubbles are all grayed out because he's clearly not listening to her. He's just kind of disgusted that he's having to deal with this nonsense again. Yeah, I I feel a tiny bit cheated because I wanted to hear Artemis explain or ask or accuse yeah. or something. But no, we do not hear one word of her dialogue because he's thinking to himself, okay, the stuff that he's thinking about Zeus, that Zeus is a bad ruler and that he acts right. impulsively. And then the only reason why he was able to take control in the first place, because he was the least damaged from the war uh, against the Titans. Sure. So, which doesn't, you know, lend anything to his abilities as a ruler. Everything Apollo is saying there is true. And it means nothing because what he's trying to do is make himself look better in his own eyes by saying all this. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about all the things that he's been doing and all the ways that he's helped the community with music and the arts and healthcare. A lot of people... One of the images of him opening a women's healthcare clinic, which a lot of people pointed out, that was originally Hestia's idea. And the only reason why he was able to do it was because Hestia was in a coma at the time. Yeah. And what I thought of when he's talking about all the great things he's done for the community, you know, healthcare centers, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Jimmy Savile, have you been listening to um, All Thrill and No Killer? The no. uh, podcast about serial killers? No, no, no. They decided for their 100th-ish episode, instead of doing a serial killer, they would do a serial monster. Oh, and it's God. Jimmy Savile. And he apparently was... He did so much stuff for the community, but every bit of it was giving him power to be able to be alone with vulnerable people and to be able to do horrible things without anybody calling him out on it. And I think unconsciously that's what's happening with Apollo right there. That's why he's doing all this good stuff to justify himself. Yeah, but he gets finished with this whole litany of all the great things he's doing. And he's like, and then there's her. And there's all these images of Persephone. And she's like crying. Like it's like an image of her after he kind of finished up with her. And he's like, she should have been honored that he wanted to pay attention to her. You know, everyone loves him. And he said that she and her mother are a joke, 
But then he realized later, I, I'm sure it's because of the fertility goddess thing, because I don't think he originally approached her because of the fertility goddess no. thing. I think he approached her because, yeah, he's just like, it's a girl. She's not interested in me. I can't justify that in my head, so I'm going to go after her. And he said if he had known how important she was, he would have approached her with more care, you know, and he's doing everything that's going to help all these people. And it's all going to be ruined by this one goddess undoing all my hard work over one night from a decade ago. Do you know what that made me think of? What? The whole Brock Turner thing. Oh, with the, uh, oh my God. And his father at the sentencing, wanting to plead for leniency because he didn't think his, he thought his son had suffered enough for 20 minutes of action. Oh, and I'm like, oh my God, it doesn't matter the time. It no. doesn't matter how long ago it is. I mean, he started out by saying, how was I supposed to know she would react that way to my affection for her? Affection. affection. I'm like, oh, Apollo, was it affection that made you sneak into her room after your sister had left the house? and badger her into sex, and then bail. I mean, honestly, he he maybe could have been more dismissive if he'd left money on the dresser. Yeah. That's how badly he treated... I mean, not just the sex, but he dismissed her completely. And then afterwards, he refused to listen to her denials that she didn't want to have anything to do with him. So, I mean... Yep. The act itself almost pales in comparison to everything else he's been doing to her ever since. And But he still thinks it's her fault. I mean... He's not even addressed the fact that he threatened her with the photos that he took of her. I mean, I don't think that falls into any realm of affection, no matter what the situation was. My God, God. this whole time that he's got this like little running monologue in his head over, oh, poor me, and I can't believe this. The whole time you see images of Artemis talking to him, just she's just absolutely so upset and she's crying and you can tell she just can't believe all this. And you finally hear her say, would you say something to me at least? And he said, she said yes. Oh, man. And Artemis just like, she puts her head down against his chest. She grabs him by the shirt. She drags him forward. And then she deliberately lets him go and walks away. And I think that was her telling him without words she is letting him go oh, and yes. it's i mean it's one of those things this ridiculous minutia when it comes to like behaving like a sex pest yes. or an out and out sexual assault is they want to try to logic their way into how this isn't really something that they need to be punished for yeah and i mean yeah. i'm still taking a look every once in a while that go get a roomy um web comic And there's a storyline where the main character reveals that she was a very shy and lonely college student. She made a friend with a guy, and they got along great. But he convinced her that it's weird for guys and girls to be friends. They have to be boyfriend and girlfriend, which means it has to be sex. And she gave in. And there was this long, long argument about whether it was rape or wasn't. And it's missing the point because... Whether someone like was badgered into it or whether they were just kind of reluctant, whatever, you did a shitty thing to another sentient being. And now you want to try to explain how technically it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Oh, God. Because all they have is technicalities. I mean, that's all he's got at this point. I mean, like, it's just like, even if you bought everything that he's saying, the fucking photos, he threatened her for crying out. And I'm sure he would say that he was just protecting himself because she was going to say something that it wasn't. And he was just going to make sure I'm just, it's just, oh, it's awful. But that's, that's actually where that ends. And I, I'm with you. I would have liked to have heard some of the things that Artemis was saying, because in the end, she storms away. And he's there looking, he looks angry, 
but he doesn't look furious. He just almost looks kind of like, ugh, whatever, you know? And I'm just like, ugh, I wanted him to look more gutted. Yeah, but I am very glad that they've brought out this whole idea about how Persephone technically said yes, yeah. because I was afraid that he would say that and that everyone would say, oh, this is new information. No, Artemis isn't hearing it because no. she knows what happened to Persephone. And having a stronger man who could hurt her in her bed late at night when there was no one around to help her, yeah, saying yes is, honestly, it's a defensive mechanism at that it point. Is. I mean, it what is. would he have done if she had continued to say no to, her, to yeah. him? Yeah, everybody loves to say fight or flight, that you get that panic response, but they don't realize that the other component is freeze, fight or mm-hmm. flight or freeze. And that's what a lot of people do in that situation, because it just, you you can't do anything. And so you freeze in an attempt to protect yourself. So it's not the same as consent. It really isn't. No, but, it, yeah. it really isn't. No. So of course, we go straight from there to a conversation with Persephone and Demeter. They're sitting outside in a fountain. It's probably outside of Chiron's offices. And they're just, I don't know, sitting there not talking. And then Demeter asks if she can see the baby. And Persephone just hands the baby over. And Demeter's a little weirded out by the fact that there's wine coming out of this baby's pores. But Persephone's like, nah, that's kind of what he does. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know, Demeter's just looking at the baby quietly, and Persephone just says, if you ever want to talk about Eleusis with me, you can. And that's the same thing that Hestia had asked Demeter at one point, said something happened. And that's the thing I was talking about. That's when we get an image in Demeter's mind of a woman holding a baby, and it looks kind of like a mortal baby. And... All Demeter says is, I can't talk about my past anymore. I'm spent. So Demeter actually opens up a little bit to Persephone. And she says, it feels like my whole life has been a struggle. And she's had to pick herself up off the ground so many times. And she's just not sure how many more times she can do this. And then you see a picture of Demeter in the rain looking down at a rose that the petals are falling out of. And she says, losing the life I planned with you feels like a death. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's not, I don't think she's being manipulative there. I think she's trying to be honest about what she's feeling right there. Yeah. And Persephone points out that, you know, it's going to be a different life than she had imagined, but they can still have a life together. She said, I still want you in my life, but we can't keep fighting the way that we do. Doesn't it make you tired? And that's when Demeter apologizes. I could not believe She it. said she was sorry for the intervention. And that made me feel so much better oh that goodness. she actually said that. And that she, she follows it up with, I thought that I could hurt you into being in a better place. Oh, man. And then she follows it up by saying that she doesn't really believe most of the things that she told Persephone. And I was like, I mean, that's like the trifecta. You've apologized. Uh-huh. You've admitted that what the thing that you were doing was really wrong. And you also make the other person feel better for all the hurtful things you say by saying, I didn't believe most of them. I mean, it's just like, I can't imagine an apology being much better than that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little bit Lifetime or Hallmark or whatever, but it was exactly what I wanted. And it looks like it was exactly what Persephone wanted because she just has this pleased smile on her face. And even Demeter is like, why are you smiling like that? Did you forgive me already? And Persephone (laughs) says, no, but all I ask for is progress. And then Demeter notices you're baby is walking away. And that's when Persephone's like, oh no, legs! So they go to chase after the baby. I know some of the comments are saying it's like a parent's worst fear. It's like, oh no, the baby's walking. Ah! But yeah. So then we jump to whatever that celestial area is where um, 
I think Apollo took Daphne and Thanatos there to speak with um, Helios at one point. Mm -hmm. So it's just a star field and a long walkway. And you see a woman walking past with kind of like purple rainbow hair and sort of flowing into the the background sort of thing. And someone calls her name Eos, which is the daughter of Dawn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, again, Rachel knocking it out of the park. Just, I love the way she draws Dawn, especially in this one picture where it is, um, shoot, the person talking to her is the person that kind of shared the duties with um, Apollo piloting Helios, but I cannot remember his name. Me neither. I I could look it up, but why would we prepare? (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's wondering why Apollo is there because it's not Apollo's shift. You know, it's like, obviously, the dawn is going to usher in the dawn. And then I guess it's the other guy's turn, but Apollo's there. And Eos doesn't know why, but she says, "Mm, he looks upset. And I'm like, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yes, I do love how uh, Rachel drew her when she's kind of got her arms folded and looking back. Ah, He looks upset. Just Mm -hmm. perfect. Love Mm -hmm. that. But Apollo goes to the end of the walkway and jumps off and he sails into the star field and then goes up towards this glowing light, and he's standing right in front of it. And he says, I need your help, please. And then you see this voice, obviously a God voice, kind of glowing green letters, there is much to do. <sighs> and that's where we end the episode. Darn it. I would have hoped that he would have gone to his mother and have her smack him around a little bit, but apparently he's going higher up the food chain. Yeah, so I'm wondering, is this like the remnants of Oranos? That's what I, I wonder too. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm trying to rem- remember because I know Oranos was overthrown by Kronos, but I can't remember what he did with the body once he killed him. Did he chop him up and throw him into the sea? Or did he chop him up and throw him into the sky and turn him into stars? It's, it's funny that you would say that because my brain does say that chopping up was in there someplace, but I don't know. I think so. Pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of how you guarantee that they don't come back. Mm, yeah, pretty much. And that that's the end of the episode, but which actually does like, like I said, there's no way I would have been able to stop reading after the first episode. I can stop here for a couple of weeks. It's like, it's a pausing point. Yeah, that'll be fine. I'm almost wondering... If she does that on purpose, like has sort of a, not a resolution, but a good stopping point at the end of two episodes. Maybe. I don't know. You know, But there have been plenty of other times. I'm sure people listening to this podcast have found plenty of other times where we're like, oh, it's just going to stop there now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and everything was just so pretty. And yeah, I, I would have wished for a little bit more awful things to happen to Apollo, but maybe that's to come. I don't know. But it's like at this point, it seems like everybody knows what Apollo did except for Demeter. Yeah, I don't think Demeter does. And Demeter also still doesn't know that the whole reason why Zeus dumped her and didn't choose her as the queen of heaven was because he wanted Hera first, yeah. And but he blamed Hades. So I think we're going to get... I mean, I don't know how this, this webcomic is going to resolve the issue of Zeus, because Zeus is a terrible leader. Yes. I mean, he's talking about hiding his baby because he's trying to get back on the good graces with Hera. But meanwhile, for the 10 years that he was, you know, had Persephone banished, he was cheating on Hera. Heck, he's probably cheating on her now. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he? It's Zeus. (laughs) So, So, yes. Excellent as usual. Oh, yes. 
So that's it for Laura Olympus. I wanted to mention that Hugh and everybody who listens to this podcast knows that Hugh is probably the most forgiving movie reviewer we've ever had working for this site. He always gives things the benefit of the doubt. And he only gives something a bad rating if he really, really hated it. He just gave the new Flash movie a D minus. I mean, Nathan pointed out that with Ezra Miller and the fact that he's been accused of all sorts of bad behavior, and it's amazing how the trailers have all pivoted to Michael Keaton returns as Batman in The Flash. Like, if the person you're hyping is not the title character, something's up. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people said that they were kind of waiting to see how this movie turns out to see if they're going to have anything to do with Ezra Miller anymore, because if the movie's not successful, they're going to be like, well, bye-bye. But yeah. And uh, Hugh said that his dislike of the movie doesn't have anything to do much with Ezra's reprehensible behavior over the last few months. He said, it's just a bad movie. They didn't follow the source material. It felt like a cash grab from the studio that cares more about money than actual stories. I mean, he just, he disliked the hell out of it. He did say that the Michael Keaton bits are the best part of the movie. Yep, that's what I've heard too. So I think everybody's very happy with uh, Keaton returning, but still, it's like they're trying to lean on that to not, to avoid having to talk about, you know, Ezra Miller. Yeah. But moving to a different subject, I had two people over the last two days, totally unrelated people who don't even know each other, come to me to say that they had watched the first episode of the newest season of Black Mirror, and they thought it was amazing. Is that one that the Joan is awful one? Yes, he said with Sama Hayek. Yeah, they said it's amazing. It's just fantastic. And I'm like, oh, and I'm excited. Yes, I know, because Vincent actually posted on that and said that it was brilliant. Oh, yeah. good. Specifically oh. that episode. Nice. Now, all these people, well, you know what? Two of them... Because Vincent will certainly go after stuff that's dark. He yes. likes him some dark stuff from time to time. And one of my other friends who recommended is definitely a person who likes things dark. But the third person does not like things that are super dark and depressing and doesn't like things that are really violent. So I'm not saying that it's definitely going to have a happy ending or anything, but I am saying that it might not be the kind of like rip your heart out and stomp it to pieces like certain episodes of Black Mirror. Oh, God. Wow. So I was trying to figure out what to tackle next, and I watched the first episode of, and I'm really late here, but The Book of Boba Fett. I finally decided to start that. It's fine. (laughs) Yes, I'm sorry. That's the one where the second episode, I think, is where they introduce a pack of kids. And I'm just like, I just don't care. I know. I know. I know. That was that I looked at a uh, an article that was ranking the episodes. And I think the second one is pretty much ranked the worst. Now, the fifth and sixth ones are like ranked really high. And I hate this whole idea about, oh, yeah, this TV series is kind of dry in the first three seasons, but after that, it gets amazing. Or you've got to just bear with it for a couple episodes before it gets its stride. Like I hate that. I'm probably still going to keep trying to watch it because I do want to yeah. watch the most recent season of The Mandalorian. And yeah. there are you know, people ranting about the fact that, oh, great, there's plot developments that you need for The Mandalorian that are hidden in a series that I don't plan on watching. Yeah. But it's not, it's not bad. I mean, no. uh, I can't even remember who was the person who wrote that short story that we read in the Tales from Jabba's Palace um, collection. I don't remember. The short story was called A Barve Like That. And it is the story of Boba Fett escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Here, it's like, Maybe a minute. Yeah, I mean, he uses his flamethrower and blasts his way out, but he's all scarred up. He has to deal more with the fact that um, the Jawas steal all his armor, and then he gets kidnapped by sand people, and then he doesn't get let go until he 
fights this actually rather cool looking demon kind of monster thing and saves mm. the life of one of the sand people. So, and meanwhile, in the present time, because he's seeing all this in flashbacks, but in the present time, he's trying to establish himself as a crime lord. And that's, I feel like the music was doing a lot of heavy lifting to tell us yes. that things were dramatic. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Yeah, I know. And that the fight scenes. I was. I started getting into my head that I was going to need to watch this when the Red Letter Media guys were talking about this and about, you know, this is the Boba Fett actor. This has all the fan service cred that you could want. It looks kind of janky when he's fighting because he's not a stunt person. He's somebody who was a stunt person way back when. So, yeah. <laughs> so how, is that how far you got into it? Two episodes? Yep. Yep. I think I, I I may have finished the second episode. I swear, the whole thing where you got to drag in a bunch of kids to make the main character relatable or something, I don't know. I'm always like, uh, do, do you have to? Really? Oh, I don't. That's not... Yeah, it would have been better if I thought the kids were better actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll see if I... Oh, that's right. Disney won't let you watch things through on, like... 1.25 speed or 1.5 speed. Not. Oh, nope. I, know. <laughs> I think that's probably for the best because there's really, yes. if, if you have to do that, you need to question why you're watching it in the first place. You really, really do. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Uh, Hugh also has a review of, I think it's Elemental, the new Pixar movie. Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah. What did he rate yeah. that one? A minus. Okay. So that's that's good. good. I mean, the images look great. I'm always they worried do. when a new Pixar movie comes out that it's going to be a flop just because you can't tell from the trailer. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it will be enjoyable. Yeah. Now, the next episode, um, we might actually be in the same geographical area and Hannah will be in the same area as well. So I don't know what comes for next time because I don't know if we can find something that the three of us can talk about. We really ought to do an episode together. Maybe we need to talk about Black Mirror. How about that? Ooh, we might have to do that. I got to fire up my Netflix account again. I'm just going to wait a little longer. Uh, darn it. Good TV. Mom and dad have Netflix so we can watch it down there maybe. Ooh, maybe that's what we'll do. Yes, that's a great idea. Let's plan on that. So all that and more pixel ladygeek.com so like i said next week i don't know we're either going to record something together or we're going to have a fan art gallery or something because we're specific but one way or the other we will talk to everybody in you know about a week okay let's talk to y'all later And tonight, I'm going to make sure that the cat does not mess with her toy. Hang on a second. Go away. Stop. If you want to mess with that, go over here. She's gotten into this little crinkly bag and this thing lately, and I'm like, not while I'm working. There we go. <laughs> okay. 
I wrote notes, but apparently I didn't take enough notes. That happens. Sorry, we've got a really long Ooh, delay yeah, here. Hang on one second. Ping. Pong. Ping. Pong. It's a bit of a delay, but is a, should I should I call you back or? Um, hold on a second. Let me try it from my end. Ping. Pong. Ping. Pong. I think we can work with it. Just okay. have to All remember right, yeah. there's a long delay. So, car.